Brandon Lewis here bringing you the seven big news stories in Tennessee from a conservative perspective that the left-leaning media and the Republican establishment will not touch with a 10-foot pole. A federal judge in Memphis says law protecting minors from obscenity is unconstitutional. I'll tell you what, the taboos in our culture are changing. Group kicked out of Franklin Pride Festival for praying. We're going to talk about state tapping a private law firm, spending more of your money uh, to keep the records of disgraced Scotty Campbell uh, secret because we like uh, secrecy in Tennessee government, not transparency. They say it on the campaign trail. They don't do much of it up there in Nashville. Tennessee school districts uh, average less than 25% proficiency on the TCAP retake. We're going to discuss uh, Lee insists his new gun control measures is much better than just uh, you know using or expanding the laws on the book. A new report shows economic impact of child abuse in Tennessee is tied to the economy. Who would have thought that shutting the economy down would have caused economic hardship? Oh, well, anyone with half a brain. Metro Nashville board denies coverage of gender reassignment surgery for city employees. We shall see. Now, before we get into the news, please do go and follow us on Twitter, Gab, Getter, Truth, Rumble, and MeWe. If you are still following us on Facebook, uh, you are seeing maybe a percent of what we put out there. We went from the largest news publication with the biggest reach in Tennessee to dang near the smallest because they have silenced us, as big tech often does, conservative voices. Before we get into the news, uh, I would like to read from the mailbag here. <coughs> we got a nice little note. I appreciate you. Uh, please accept my donation as a check payment. Uh, either way, please continue with your valuable, wonderful work. I appreciate your courage and effort. Thank you very much. And this comes from Sandra. Thank you very much, Sandra, for sending that check to 1523 East 27th Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. We could use it. I also have a nice little thank you note here. Thank you very much. And it says, Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people, for the cities of our God. May the Lord do what is good in his sight. Uh, let uh, the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of your hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of your hands. And this is from Tracy. It says, Grace and Peace. Thank you, Tracy, and thank you for that donation. I uh, appreciate you very much. Now, before we get into the news stories, do mark your calendar. Uh, we are going to work in partnership with an organization called the Conservative uh, Candidates Academy. And we're going to put on, um, or at least promote, a uh, candidate training. And it will be on September 23rd, and it will be in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So please do mark uh, September 23rd. Uh, I know that they are planning to have an event all day that day. And perhaps, maybe, 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 a welcome reception. We are still working through the details. Now, one more pause for the cause. And this is what they would call uh, a right-wing unhinged rant. I went yesterday to speak to some dear ladies that I love, many of whom I have known for 20 years. These are Republican ladies in an organization that shall remain nameless. And I'm in there at this meeting, and I'm happy because I've got my beautiful wife in front of me. I've got some friends that I have known, uh, some for 20 years, some for 15 years, uh, people that I've helped in their campaigns, uh, folks that have uh, worked with me as far back as the first federal race I ever worked on. And there is also an SEC member there. Uh, <laughs> who could not be a better poster boy for everything that is probably wrong with the Republican establishment in our state. And while I am speaking, uh, I get to the part of my talk where I talk about corporate influence and how it negatively affects both the Republican Party and Republican leadership. And then I have the temerity to begin to walk through the votes that have happened the last two years in committees and subcommittees, and many of these women are shocked and dismayed. And I specifically highlight uh, some very uh, touchy votes that were made by our Hamilton County delegation, which is pretty darn weak with the exception of a couple of members on some issues, really on a lot of issues. And one of the things that I ask of the group is raise your hand if you think Democrats should vote in Republican primaries. And every, uh, no hands go up. And how many do you think only Republicans should vote in Republican primaries? And all the hands go up. 
And the guy all during my presentations over there talking. I mean, just like lack of social intelligence. Uh, so bad that like, women come up to me apologizing, which I don't really care. But the thing that bothers me about it is like this gentleman is supposed to represent the views of these ladies. And he comes up to me and argues with me about how important it is to have Democrats voting in Republican primaries. And this is kind of the, the big picture problem with so many of our elected officials, both at the party level and in Nashville, is they think they know better than the ones who have sent them into office. They think that their opinions on topics are what they should vote, not the opinions of those who elected them to go represent their views, and especially when those views are made so plain and evident through polling and through just asking people on the street. Additionally, uh, I leave there, and I get a phone call, and someone says, I don't know if you know this because I was on vacation. Uh, Cameron Sexton came to town, and he said that, uh, that there are some pundits that, that we don't need to listen to in the state uh, because they're dividing the party, and they're really only going after clickbait. Well, first off, Mr. Sexton, uh, thank you for the kind reference uh, in my backyard. I don't make any money doing this. There's no advertising to click on or get. Further, I don't use my political influence at this publication to make money elsewhere. It, it does not help me. In fact, it hurts me. Nor do I use this platform to make any money. See, the issue is so many politicians use their influence to get deals, uh, to get introductions, whatever, to help them make money, or... They just straight up make money doing what they do up there, and then they hope that they can eventually get some kind of higher elected office or they can become a lobbyist or whatever else. I mean, they are truly peddling influence. I mean, that would be more grifting uh, than anything I've ever done. If this is what grifting gets you, it is terrible. I do not recommend it. And so the issue is, is this. All I ever really do is two things. At this publication, I talk about the fact that people say one thing on the campaign trail and then they go vote differently in Nashville. They say they'll advocate for X, but in fact, when they go up to Nashville, they don't advocate it for, for it. And when the handful of conservatives do advocate for it, they work to stop it. And I also point out that we have got very obvious problems with very plain solutions, yet we lack the political will to do it. Essentially, what I do, in a way that I wish our Republican Party would, and I wish our Republican leadership would, is I advocate for, drumroll please, the Republican Party platform. Now, if advocating for the Republican Party platform and telling the truth about voting records divides a party, it needs to be divided so that we can clearly see the ones who adhere to the platform and who are conservative and the ones who don't. That's the whole thing. It's all about votes and policy and problems. That's it, plain and simple. And the reason that the Speaker of the House would have to inadvertently uh, and, and at a distance reference me at a speech, some little peon who just does this on the side, is because of one very reason. You. You are telling people about our publication. You are sharing our content. You are going into your meetings and saying, hey, that's not right. You are saying, are you on the Tennessee conservative newsletter list? You are sharing the truth. And even though we do not have hardly any money, and even though we do not have the largest list in the state, we do have the most engaged, involved, and the most aware audience in the volunteer state. That is you. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help me get the word out because the truth has legs that money doesn't. And light shined in a dark place is always a good remedy. So thank you so much for helping me. And Mr. Sexton, you, you've got my contact information. If anything I say on this program is untrue, untrue, not correct, incorrect, false, let me know what it is. I would love to know. I do my very best to just tell it like it is. We watch the meetings. We report the votes. We look at the data. That's it. 
That's it. Very, very plain and simple. So please, if, if there's some kind of error in the way that we're reporting, not that you don't like what we're reporting, though it's true, but that what we're reporting isn't true. I'm all ears. All right, guys. There is my unhinged right-wing radical rant. I hope you liked it. Moving into the first story. Federal judge in Memphis says law protecting minors from obscenity is unconstitutional. A federal judge in Memphis has ruled that Tennessee's ban against drag shows in public is unconstitutional. Uh, District Judge Thomas Parker ruled against the legislation after closing arguments were made in regards to a lawsuit filed against the state by Memphis-based theater company Friends of Georgia's that is known for fundraising for gay organizations by putting on shows that often include drag performances. The newly passed Adult Entertainment Act would ban male and female impersonators from performing in public spaces where children may be present, thereby protecting them from adult-oriented performances that are harmful to minors. First-time offenders would have been charged with misdemeanor. Subsequent charges would result in a felony. Parker said... The court finds that despite Tennessee's compelling interest in protecting the psychological and physical well-being of children, the Adult Entertainment Act is an unconstitutional restriction of free speech. The bill's sponsor, Senator Jack Johnson, tweeted, I'm disappointed with the judge's decision on Senate Bill 3, which ignored 60 years of Supreme Court precedents, allowing regulation of obscene entertainment in the presence of minors. Sadly, this ruling is a victory for those who support exposing children to sexual entertainment. I agree with Jack Johnson. Hey, now listen. I've been critical of Jack when he has done things like the gas tax that I don't agree with. But when people say stuff that is true, I'm all for them. Thank you, Jack. Go out there. Freaking campaign for this. Let's get this garbage away from the kids. Attorney General Jonathan Skirmetti defending the law and noted that the ruling was only relevant to Shelby County at this time. The Adult Entertainment Act remains in effect outside of Shelby County. This narrowly tailored law protects minors from exposure to sexually explicit performances. Its operative language is rooted in the U.S. Supreme Court's long-established First Amendment precedent. Next story. On Saturday, a group of people were escorted away from Harlansdale Park by police after Franklin Pride Festival organizers stated that they just needed to make sure the folks there for the event were comfortable. Since when does freedom of speech in the First Amendment make people comfortable? The whole point of the First Amendment is to not make people comfortable, and specifically the point of the First Amendment is to not make government comfortable. The entire reason we have freedom, or one of the biggest reasons, outside of the Second Amendment, or or the right to bear arms in our nation, that we have the independence and the freedom that has lasted as long as it has, even though uh, that old flag is tattered tattered and torn, is the fact that we had a fully functional uh, functional operational press. And so that the ideas of Thomas Paine and Common Sense and other founding documents in the Federalist Papers got out in circulation and enough people said, yes, I want freedom. Did the government want that press? No. Absolutely not. Did they probably try to burn and hang the people that were using it? You better believe it. The First Amendment is not there to make things comfortable. It is there so that the government cannot manipulate, lie, and oppress the people. One might wonder... What exactly this group of people was doing to warrant a police escort? Well, they were praying. In a Christian nation, apparently the most offensive thing you can do anymore is to espouse the beliefs held in the Bible, and the most accepting thing that you can do that is really brave is to talk about your sexual preferences. Interesting. The prayer group was in opposition to the event, but seemed to keep their distance from the main crowds as they prayed for those present at the festival, at least from the video footage. We don't know everything that went on, obviously. It remains quite clear that the group was not actually disrupting anything or going on around them. Regardless, they were swiftly confronted by police officers alongside one of the event organizers. According to attorney Ben Rabin, the police didn't necessarily have the right to exclude members of the public from being in the park, even if the Pride Festival had a permit in the park. wouldn't be the first time that the police just did something that was incorrect or inappropriate. Raven further clarified that if the prayer group had used the bullhorn, yelled, threatened anyone, etc., they would have actually been disruptive. In light of everything, the attorney also seems to believe the group would have been a strong First Amendment claim should they decide to sue the city, and I hope they do. Here's my prediction in Franklin. I think these people are going to have enough of this crap. I think that mayor and all those people that are just, like, disturbing and destroying everything down there, I bet they get tossed out on their asses this next coming election round. At least that's what I hope. 
Guys, if you want to reach the state's uh, most engaged conservative audience, you need to advertise with the Tennessee Conservative. You can reach them through our newsletter, social media platforms, email, text blast, you name it. Uh, I will even send, if you pay me enough, a singing telegram to someone's house. Now, that would be very expensive, and my singing voice is questionable, but I would do it. Small business owners need to quit being cowardly. That is just my personal opinion. You can go into Walgreens, Target, you name it, and they will seriously promote homosexuality for children in a grooming fashion with unabashed, unashamed enthusiasm. Yet, conservative Christian business owners are so fearful of advertising with our publication. You wonder why we lose the fight. Do me do email Jason at news at TennesseeConservativeNews.com for all the details. We'll work with you, try to get you the best ROI. And often, sometimes people will come to me and say, hey, I'd like to advertise with you. They're a, a well-meaning conservative business owner, and they say, I want to X. Uh, or they are an event organizer, and they say, I want to X. And I look at the thing, and I'm like, nope, spend your money elsewhere. We cover too many people across too broad uh, of a scope. I don't think this would be the best fit for you. It's the same thing I do in my coaching business. If I can't help somebody, I just tell them we can't help you. But if I think we can, we will. Next story. And by the way, before I forget, I, I want to thank, and I should have done this at the beginning of the show, uh, Steve Abramowitz for filling in while I was uh, at Jekyll Island uh, with my family, which I'm going to inform you about uh, at the end of the show. Uh, it's going to be lots of fun. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be the best part, best part of the entire show. Next story, state taps private law firm for former Representative Scotty Campbell's public record challenge. Governor Bill Lee authorized the hire, uh, hiring of a Nashville law firm under terms set by Tennessee Attorney General to defend the state in a public records lawsuit over the sexual harassment case surrounding former Representative Scotty Campbell. What about good old-fashioned transparency? If a government official does something wrong and if Republican leadership works to cover it up, that's a problem. That's a problem. But I'm sure Cameron Sexton would just refer to this as good old party division. Attorneys with the firm are to be paid $375 an hour, and other person, personnel will be paid $100 an hour at your expense. Attorneys are working with legislation administrative director Connie Ridley in the lawsuit who gave this poor girl hands fulls of sweaty, dirty cash to like, allay her concerns and help her get out of the place where she was being approached in a sexual manner by Republican. It's terrible. The plaintiff filed a challenge in Davidson County Chancery Court in the Office of Legislative Administrative, uh, Administration's refusal to open the records in the case dealing with Campbell an East Tennessee Republican found to have sexually harassed a 19-year-old intern who worked at the legislature this year. Closed-circuit transmission. If you are the father of this 19-year-old girl, and it, if it sickens you to see the behavior of what Sexton and Republican leadership are doing to cover this up, because you know it's not right, if you can reach me somehow, some way, I will get the information from you. We will report on it in a way that does not disclose your identity. I have done this time and time again. Even when we, uh, we've broke several stories here, and I keep my mouth shut, I don't even tell my wife who my sources are. And that way I don't ever have to worry about anybody else talking. If you can reach me directly, I will break this story for you, and we won't have to worry about this stupid open record stuff, we can just tell people the truth because the truth probably won't even come out at the end, and by the time it does come out, this is the beauty of it. Uh, they stall so long that it's no longer of interest, and of course, the mainstream media won't cover it at all. So if you want it to be covered while well, it'll actually get out there and maybe change things in the environment up there in Nashville, reach out to me. <sighs> Shameful to even have to... I mean, when something like this happens... The best thing to do is the leader of an organization is say, I am sorry. One of our members of an organization screwed up, did something wrong. Here's what happened. Here's the information. This is not in keeping with what we do. We're sorry that this environment's like that. We will do better. When you cover things up, when you won't release information like with the Covenant 
shooter manifesto, it, it just lets everybody in the world know that there's something there that the mainstream press, that the leftist, that, that whoever's involved doesn't want you to know. It's plain and simple. The plaintiff, let me go back to this. A hearing is set for June 30th when the state will have to show why they did not make the records public. The plaintiff contends that attorney general office should be defending the state, uh, though that's not part of the lawsuit. Arguably, quote, arguably, if you're good government, this is what you're supposed to do if you're not supposed to be spending more taxpayer dollars on this, he said. After House Ethics Committee determined Campbell violated the legislature's workplace discrimination and harassment policy, the state, the state spent nearly $8,000 moving the young woman from her apartment near the Cordell Hall building for legislative works to a downtown hotel and transport furniture back home. She was also given nearly $1,000 in cash to cover costs at the apartment she left. The taxpayers are entitled to that record, the plaintiff said. I wonder if that $1,000 came in some kind of greasy sack. Was it in 20s? Was it in 1s? Did it come from an adult cabaret? We don't know, but it was definitely dirty. Next story, Tennessee school districts average less than 25% proficiency on third grade TCAP retake. The Tennessee Department of Education has released additional district level data regarding the TCAP retake opportunity for third grade students who were in danger of retention based upon their initial scores. And the initial round of TCAP testing, around 60% of third grade students across the state did not score proficient on English language arts portion. These students were given the opportunity to participate in a retake. Students who scored proficiently on the retake would be promoted to the fourth grade without having to take part in summer camp or additional tutoring. Newly released district data shows that while many students had a high percentage of eligible students to retake the test, most school systems still saw less than 25% of those students earn that proficient score. Memphis Shelby County Schools had one of the highest percentages of students retaking the test with 95.6%. Boy, they must have really done a campaign on that. That's good. Let them retake it. However, only 8.1% of those students scored proficient on that test. Only about half of the eligible students in Metro Nashville Public School uh, took the retake. Of those, 11% met proficiency rate and can move seamlessly on to fourth grade. Hamilton County Schools saw 38.3%. Of students retake the test, but only 3.4% of those students scored proficient on that test. Wow, my little county did the worst on the retake. Not good news. Clay County Schools had 47.1% of eligible students retake the test with 62.5% of those students reaching the proficiency level. Lexington City Schools also came in on a higher end with 69.8% of students retesting and 40.5% of them scoring proficient. I wonder what the reason is for that disparity in those that passed in these counties and those that didn't. I don't know. Maybe they tutored them. Maybe they tutored them in Clay County. And they didn't tutor them in Shelby and Nashville and especially Hamilton County. I don't know if they were even awake when they took the test. That, I mean, that's like a standard deviation. Those students who still fell below the mark are able to continue to the fourth grade if they participate in summer learning camp or agree to a year-long tutoring for the next school year. Students who scored approaching are also eligible for a parent appeal, which is available until June 30th. Now, I understand that people want to complain and blame tests for poor test results. But I spent 13 years in public education, I spent four years in undergraduate and two additional years in graduate school. Tests are pretty darn good at determining if you can read and if you understand what you just read. They are. Read this paragraph, tell me what it says. Here's a multiple choice test. If you read a paragraph and you can't circle the circle that re-describes what is in the text above, there is a problem. If a kid cannot comprehend what they are reading, they do not need to advance. They don't. We held our daughter back in first grade because she had issues. We got her tutoring. Uh, and I wasn't, like, jumping. And we, that was a decision we made as parents and we had no 
uh, pushback from the school. I mean, no no uh, effort was initiated by the school to say, hey, we think that she needs to be held back. We did it of our own accord. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think she will be a stronger student from now until the time she graduates because of that decision. The reason they attack the test is because they can't attack the system. Let me be clear. I want you to listen. Just think about this. When you look at all of the mainstream media coverage in Tennessee, Tennessee newspapers, Tennessee news outlets, the holler, the lookout, none of them seem to actually want to lay any blame on the schools, the school environment, the teachers, the bureaucracy, the waste, none of that. It's either Republicans' fault because we don't have enough money in there, as if money solves problems. I mean, you can look in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. I mean, they spend just unbelievable gobs of money, and their performance is even worse than ours in the metro areas. But it's always the fault of the, of the, the GOP, or it's the fault of the test, right? If the GOP is the test, it's the money. It's never, man, we have tried this every which way we can. It would be so refreshing if for once we could just say, listen, the government can't pave roads efficiently and effectively. We lose money delivering the mail while UPS and FedEx makes billions, probably. I don't know that number. It's a lot of money. The more complicated something gets, healthcare, education, the worse the government is at doing it. Show me some example where I'm wrong historically. Show me the complicated thing that government does efficiently and as effectively as the free market with the same outcomes for the best value with high degrees of customer satisfaction. You can't find it. It is time to simply let the people out of these systems that want to be out to give them a no-strings-attached tax rebate and let them go do whatever they want to do. What happens when the government gives you money is they want to attach strings to things. And I cannot for the life of me, other than the fact, well, it's just old sinful love of power and control, why in the world... They can't see that we have really screwed all this up. We have, like, we've been trying to do this for over a decade now with a majority and then a supermajority, and, buddy, our track record is terrible. The last thing we want to do is screw up the last bastion of educational opportunity in this state, which are private and home schools. But it is like a cancer, and they just want to spread it wherever they can. I see lots of concern for teachers. I see lots of concern for public education, the government job factory. And I see lots of concern for politicians covering their asses. And I see lots of concern for getting reelected. But I see virtually no concern for the educational experience of the kids who have endured over a decade of this bullcrap while we continue to whistle past the graveyard. Those kids will never get their educational years back again. If they wanted to do something about it, they already would have. Next story. Governor Lee insists his new gun control framework is better for Tennessee than expansion of laws already on the books, despite the fact that every GOP primary voter says that they don't like this crap. And I made that last part up myself. This past April, Governor Lee proposed new legislation that would allow for a judge to issue an order of protection against those who are determined to be a harm to themselves and society and based on the order to have their firearms removed from the possession until the person in question can prove otherwise before issuing judge. I, I thought you got your day in court before you suffered penalties. I thought due process went the other way around. I thought the government had to prove it first. In a recent report, Governor Lee insisted that his proposal to establish an extreme order of protection law is not at all like a red flag law, just like a toll road is not like a toll road. It's a choice lane. 
but would rather a framework to be considered by the General Assembly when they convene at his insistence this coming August. I think the gen- I, I would just say no. I'm not voting for it. I'm not showing up. They have to acquiesce to this as a branch of government. They should just say no. Opposition to the new legislation includes the NRA as well as most of the Tennessee State General Assembly have pointed out that Tennessee already has laws on the books to allow for involuntary commitment for those individuals who have been determined to be a danger for themselves or others. I guess Governor Lee's on his way out. I mean, he he promised to shrink government. He grew it. He promised to stand up against illegal immigration. He's promoted it and allowed it. He promised to stand by our constitutional rights. He trampled them. I guess in his rhino moderate you know, really like Southern Democrat world of friends and everything. He wants to go out on a high note as having done something to weaken the Second Amendment because it's like how people pat you on the back at a liberal cocktail party, I guess. I don't know. I mean, Governor Lee, for the love of Pete, if somebody is intent upon killing a bunch of people and you just take away the firearms they possess... What in the world is going to prevent them from finding whatever object or means necessary to just go down the road and do it with something else or go find a gun somewhere else? Nothing. I mean, we have very strong laws against murder. It it, it, it can be met with capital punishment. If strapping someone to a chair and killing them does not deter the behavior, to think that some kind of uh, administrative procedure uh, will remove evil from the heart of man and this is going to be abused. It's like every other government overreach. It just gets abused, primarily. It never stops anything, but it, but it is used to hurt people, usually that are law-abiding. That's typically how these things go down. Governor Lee argues that the law, such as those, tread on civil liberties in a more egregious manner than what he proposes because his proposals includes what he characterizes as due process, what he characterizes. However, based on the legal definition of due process, and this is the thing I love about Governor Lee, and Sexton and so many of them, they love, just like the left, to change the definitions of words. And when you can change the definition of words, no argument has any meaning. And it's the same thing that the left does to erode uh, our, our nation's moorings. Evil is good. Good is evil. However, based on the legal definition of due process, which typically requires a crime to have been committed, which compels a trial before a jury of one's peers to determine guilt, the process proposed by Lee seems to fall short. Organizations like the NRA and even members of the General Assembly have suggested that code be expanded to include behaviors that are dangerous enough to charge a person so that they would have to access uh, our Constitution to consider it to be uh, true due process. Opponents suggest that to do anything less than create an arbitrary test for any person who is accused of being a danger to themselves or society, which squarely violates the most recent ruling from the Supreme Court on the issue. Anybody who's surprised by this has not been paying attention. i got to pick up the pace here. It's going to be a long one today. I'm sorry. Well, you didn't, you didn't get to hear from me last week. You probably missed me. I'm just giving you some extra. Giving you some extra. New report shows economic impact of child abuse on Tennessee. A recent released report shows that there is a 1 in 8 chance uh, a child in Tennessee will experience abuse before the age of 18, and the economic impact of that on the state is substantial. The report was published Tuesday by the Boyd Center for Business and Economic Research at the University of Tennessee, the Second Look Commission, and the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. The authors of the report state that the cost, quote, are bigger than a DCS operating budget and the consequences of this, including the economic ones, ripple over the life course of an individual. According to the report, Tennessee ranks among the lowest in the nation in the well-being of children, and the report authors say it is important to look at how funding can be obtained to pass legislation that would better address the issue of abuse. The report states, quote, efforts to prevent maltreatment and to help young victims recover will yield a literal lifetime of benefits steaming from greater labor force participation, improved population health, decreased rates of substance abuse, lower incarceration rates, reduced demand, etc. The report comes on the heels of another report regarding the welfare of children in the state published by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth last month. According to the data, 
Uh, more than 18% of children are living in poverty. Then 13% have food insecurity. 6% lack health insurance. Additionally, more than 20% of ch Tennessee children are chronically absent from school. Well, I don't think that uh, shutting all the small businesses down in Tennessee and putting so many of them out of business and uh, the inflation that is caused by printing money and the, uh, the greedy gobbling up of federal money here in Tennessee and the prolongment of a emergency order during the pandemic uh, created any of this, right? And not, not any poor leadership is to blame for the uptick in this, I'm certain. I'm certain. Had nothing to do with it, nor will there ever be an apology. You, you just, hell will freeze over before anybody in power admits that they got all that wrong. But you know it, and I know it. I just hope you remember it on Election Day. Metro National Board denies coverage of gender reassignment surgery for city employees. Amazing. The Metro National Employee Benefit Board has rejected a proposal that would have expanded insurance coverage to allow for funding to pay for gender reassignment surgeries for city employees. That's going to happen next week, I'm sure. All this stuff just slows down. It doesn't ever seem to stop. The board said that the proposal asked them to look at whether this, this, uh, they should pay for, quote, medically necessary gender reassignment surgeries for employees over the age of 18. Those in favor of the proposal claimed it would make the city continue to be welcoming for all people and would help them recruit more workers. What kind of workers? Based on the reports, cost estimates for transition from male to female can cost as much as 140000 and male, female to male can run 124. I can't believe we live in a society that runs a charnel house and that we have made it in large sections of our society like something noble and good. I'm sure when people sacrifice children to bail, the devil was at work. I mean, I, I think that I don't know what else explains this other than spiritual warfare. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. How did we how did we devolve so quickly here recently? How did all of the the moral norms, things that are actually good for people listen? When you are a man or a woman it is hard enough to go through life getting the medical treatment you need to be healthy, to be comfortable, to have uh, good mental health, good physical health, if you just keep treating yourself as a man or a woman. We don't stay around this little blue ball very long. You know, we are but vapors. It's hard. You know, you get old, you, you go through menopause, or you go through your midlife crisis, and your hormones get all out of whack, and your body starts falling apart, and you got to watch what you eat, and you got to exercise, you got to get more sleep. The list of things you can't do gets bigger, and the, things, uh, uh, the list of things you can do gets smaller. Now, add to that, at age 20, 30, 40, whenever you want to do it, chopping off some body parts, going through some kind of major surgery, and then having to contend with that for the rest of your life and to have hormones now pumped into you that are completely contrary to how God made you. How would that make you feel on a daily basis? You're basically trying to artificially push nature in the opposite direction. It must be like swimming upstream. Now imagine mentally going through life trying to pretend that everything is okay with you everything is normal, when you're likely fighting a spiritual battle that you have in, lost a big battle on, I'm not, you can be redeemed, you've lost this big spiritual battle and gone through with this, and now you've got to fight the physical and the psychological battle, and physical and psychological and spiritual are all tied together. And people are advocating for something that will destroy a person or cripple them, or, or maybe make it to where they can't ever recover. I mean, this is where we have gotten. Mayor John Cooper was on board with approving the proposal 
and expressed his disappointment with it not passing. Our trans employees will have to wait at least another year. What did I tell you? At least another year for the rights rights to be affirmed by their peers on the benefits board. Their rights. The right to choose to mutilate your body to require ongoing care and treatment at the cost of Tennessee and Nashville taxpayers. That's the right. That is right. It's amazing. Our Second Amendment rights, which are clearly defined, our governor is attacking. Our freedom of speech rights, the legislature and the governor have attacked and continue to try to attack. And the campaign, um, um, the campaign and finance boards in Tennessee continue to attack. Clearly stated, written rights in the Constitution, in black and white, are attacked by our own government. And then we manufacture these fake rights and push and stand for them instead. It's bizarro world, people. If we don't stand up, if we don't get engaged, if we don't send uh, good candidates to the primaries, if we don't donate, if we don't knock on doors, make phone calls, you name it, I'm talking about show up at the Capitol, meet with your lawmakers. Things are not, they just don't look like they're headed in a good direction. People often say, Brandon, you're so negative. The fact that this benefit board denied this is what we would refer to as the good news segment. That's how hard we got to reach around for good news. We don't have a lot of conservative victories, and we did not have in the legislature last time around. The conservative victories that we did have primarily, though not exclusively, we did have some victories, were either things that will not change or affect the problems. For example, all the pornography and parents get to opt out and you can't teach this bad thing, laws that we pass related to education. They may stem it a little bit, stop it a little bit, but the enforcement on all that stuff has been so weak and I have not really seen, and if somebody has, has had it happen, please let me know, email us. I have not seen a good case of any of that being enforced, turned back by the state there's no one who works for the state who is like zealous about policing any of that. Uh, it, it seems to be all show. And as I've used the example before, if you uh, work at a restaurant chain and you have to say you can't pee in the soup, if you have to say you can't slap customers around, chances are the culture of that restaurant are so terrible that all the laws, all the signs, all the policing in the world still will not result in a good customer experience, still will not result and a good meal being served. Well, in education, it's the same thing. It's, it's just an organization like a business. And they are things like preventing the mutilation of children through surgery. There aren't big, huge organizations writing pack checks to politicians advocating for these things that we have passed laws against. But everywhere we have issues where there is lots of money coming in, those things don't ever seem to make it out of committee, much less on the floor, things related to medical freedom, because right now the medical lobby up in Nashville has more control than almost anything else. When it comes to stuff like corporate welfare, which is wildly unpopular and puts uh, Tennesseans at a competitive disadvantage uh, that are small business owners, and it's just flat out true. When you subsidize billions of dollars for people to go see entertainment at venue A, well, what about the pool hall? What about the arcade? What about uh, the music place? What about the shopping center down the road? Well, if they're there, they can't be here. And you have to fork over your tax dollars to take money out of your cash register. I mean, hell, they even do it for like hamburger joints and other things that are just not, it's not even like just commonplace everyday stuff. If you get big enough and you want to come to Tennessee, they will help you beat our small business owners with their own money. If you just go up there and lobby, you send enough, you spend enough lobbyists, you write a few pack checks, they'll do it. All the big stuff, illegal immigration, uh, all the big stuff we can't 
and won't and don't do anything about. We do all the things that are really symbolic victories. That's really what we're really good at right now. Symbolic, for the most part, symbolic victories. I mean, there's not some big drag show lobby. There's not a drag show lobbyist up there, you know, greasing the palms of politicians. So it's easy to pass something like that. You get a big pat on the back, but the money keeps coming into the campaign coffers. It's when the money slows down. That's when we we can't do that. That's what I see. That's how I see it. I'm sorry I got a little macro level, a little high level on you today. But that's what I've been seeing, guys. That's what I've been seeing. We're going to have some interesting coverage for you next week. Uh, about some things that I'm not going to talk about now, but I will, we'll get into it next week. So what are we doing this weekend? Where, where was I last week? Where, how did I leave you bereft of all this wonderful entertainment? So, we went down to Jekyll Island, and it was just fantastic. Uh, it is a great place to visit. Please don't go there because I like it to not be crowded. Uh, it is a great place to go because it is very uncrowded. And uh, there was probably, I don't know, on a quarter mile, there might be 30, 40 people on the beach. So you're out there just by yourself, your, your family. I mean, there's a few folks you run into. It's not desolate, but it's pretty empty. Uh, we went to some great restaurants, went on a dolphin tour, uh, went to do a historical tour of an old home, which is something I really like to do. Uh, what else did we do? Laid around the pool, ate a bunch of good food, ate too much. I had to immediately come back and get my diet back on track and to go work out vigorously. So it was a fun trip. It was a fun trip, but I was just worn out when I came back, and I'm behind and remain behind, and this week has been a flurry of activities as well. So what are we doing this weekend? Last night, Auntie Hey Hey came in uh, with my beautiful niece, and uh, we are celebrating her birthday over here at Casa de Luis. Uh, Aunt Hey Hey, who also has amazing organizational skills, is helping us in our garage right now. She is like a master. She can take a big pile of mess and just hopefully throw most of it away, and uh, then what remains, organize it, uh, and the rest of uh, her crew, uh, husband and uh, other daughters are coming up. Today sometime, we have got uh, uh, great-grandma is coming up uh, to hang out, and then my father-in-law and mother-in-law, and I love my wife's family. They're fantastic people. We are going to uh, celebrate. We celebrate birthdays around here. Celebrate the birthday. We're all going to hang out. I uh, hope to uh, go to the Signal Mountain Opry. I hope. We've got got a dinner uh, Saturday night, which I may or may not go to, uh, so I can uh, play hooky and go listen to some good bluegrass and country music, which is one of my favorite things to do. And I forgot to ask you for money, but you know we need it. <laughs> you, you know we need it. Just, Jason, put it up here at the end. We'll give you this. Uh, Stop feeding the rhinos. Uh, Tumblr if you get $50 or more or $10 donation or more. And we'll also send you this Don't California uh, My Tennessee bumper sticker along with the Don't uh, Feed the Rhino bumper sticker, which I do not have with me here at the house. Right now, my office is uh, torn apart. They have painted, done drywall, electrical, a bunch of other stuff. I'm getting ready to sell it. Uh, and we will send you a directory of all of your state reps and state senators so you can call and tell them, no, 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 do not do the bidding of the corporations and the people who write the pack checks and the lobbies, but please, please, please consider and think about voting the will of your constituents, even if it's not in your personal best interest to do so. So we have that, that little directory that we will send to you. So that's it. I'm going to do some work around the house here. Uh, I'm going to try, gosh, I'm so behind. The reason we have not got the Rhino report out yet is because Brandon Lewis, Jason Vaughn has done his work. I have not done mine. This is what you get when somebody works for free. Somebody works for free. So go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support, and if this thing ever turns any kind of profit, even a tiny itty-bitty, itty-bitty one, I might do a better job. Um, and you can mail checks to 1523 East 27th Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404, at least for a little while longer. Uh, and we may have to change to a P.O. box here shortly because we are moving, and I, I don't want to have to uh, switch up the addresses again on y'all. That's it, guys. 
That's it. That's it. I'm here at the end. Sometimes I feel like I just want to hang on and blather, but I know that does not make for a good podcast. And I want to hang on and blather because I really like connecting with y'all. Like when I went to that event uh, yesterday, I enjoyed it. If I had not had a uh, webinar presentation to do, which I just barely got done on time because that meeting ran a tad long, uh, I would have stayed and just talked to people until they kicked us out. I love being with people, talking with people, but I can't be with and see everybody. And so the next best thing I get to do is to get to do this uh, with you. And thank you for sharing it. Uh, if you've got a conservative friend, guys, and they don't know hiding their hair about what's going on in Tennessee, if you are in a Republican group, if you are in a Patriot group, please spread the word about this publication. Like, I'll email me. I will email you a flyer. You can take it to your next meeting and just say, hey, guys, this is a great news source. Please check it out. Uh, it would help me if y'all would promote me in your groups. Uh, because y'all are really the people that keep up, pay attention, if, and just help us build that email list, help us uh, reach more people with what's really going on in Tennessee. There's no place left to run. There's no place left to run. Our nation is heading in a dangerous direction. Tennessee should be a safe bastion for conservatives, but we do not have uh, many defenders on the wall. And the generals, uh, who, who should be directing the defense, are, are, sometimes I wonder that they aren't, you know, just they're they're directing the defense in a very thin and a very uh, a very uh, artificial way uh, to the troops, but then it, when the night falls, uh, they're opening up the rear gate. <laughs> they're opening up the rear gate of the fort, and they're they're letting a lot of people in uh, that really don't care for the troops, and we've got to be very careful of that. And so that is why the troops have to be informed, uh, and you have to help us do the job where our generals will not, and that is the sad state of affairs. But we can turn this thing around. I think that every two years, every four years, we have an opportunity in Tennessee to, uh, to change the landscape, and I uh, hope that you will uh, participate in that process and help us do it by getting information out, um, using our First Amendment rights as an independent press outlet to speak the truth. Uh, for as long as we can. Guys, love you, mean it. Take care. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day. Uh, I'll be with you next week. Until next time, it's Brandon Lewis signing off.